So this morning, we have a very special friend with us, uh, my friend Jim Newsom. Uh, before he comes, and we don't really need to introduce him, he is well known in our group, but that has never kept me from introducing a person before. As my good friend Robert Grant says, there is no horse so dead that it cannot withstand one more beating. So we will, we will introduce Jim again. Not that he's a dead horse. Boy, that didn't come out right, did it? Didn't come out right at all. Uh, <laughs> he knows I love him. We love to tease each other. Uh, I wanted to say, he spoke at our young, uh, with our youth group last night, and he, he blessed us so much. I was... They let me come uh, just because I'm his friend, I, and I'm too old for the youth group. Uh, and he really blessed us so much, and God is doing such great work. I want to ask you this week to be praying for our young people. Uh, we've mentioned this. Camp Overcomers begins next Sunday. There'll be over 60 campers, about 25, 30 staff. There'll be two children's camps, one here, one in Saracourt, largely maybe 200 young people that get impacted by these events next week. And it's more than just a summer camp. We believe God has given us as a vehicle this instrument to really raise up and reach the next generation for Christ. And so could I challenge you to pray this week? Maybe you want to set aside a day to pray and fast for the young people, your children, our young people, the ones that will be here. It's very serious. It's not just a nice little program that we do. This is a moment where these youth and children could meet Jesus, and we want to be serious about that. Jim is a friend that I've known since the mid-'80s. Uh, he and I actually were examined by the same ordaining council, and they passed us both. Imagine. Who would have thunk that? Wow. Uh, and I was there at his ordination. I got to be down there for him and in Orlando. He's also the one that met a young 16-year-old, Jamie Johnson. And as Jamie was meeting Jesus, Jim discipled him, walked with him, beat him in basketball, did all sorts of great things that brought Jamie into the kingdom, and then brought Jamie to our first Camp of Champions in 1989, and was at the first Camp of Champions, Texas, and was at a Camp Overcomers last year as we began this camp. So he's kind of significant with us as a historical leader. He's my friend, and we've had a wonderful time. Uh, his wife, lovely wife, Diane, cannot be with us this weekend. She was with us last time, so we know that she really does exist. Uh, no, she's wonderful. And so would you please welcome my friend, Jim Newsom? I'm glad you said that about my wife, Diane. I can't tell you how many churches I go to. Nobody believes I'm married. <laughs> and uh, James Williams didn't believe I was married until he actually saw her uh, in September 2019. He kept telling me I was lying, but I proved it. Well, I actually rented a woman and brought her with me, and, and her name happened to be Diane, so... But no, it's always great to be here. It's, uh, it's a blessing. It's, uh, it's such a blessing to see all of you. I really do feel like I'm, I'm home. I feel like your family. And uh, I love your pastor and his wife. And I'm sure as you do as well. 
But I was doubly blessed. I'm doubly blessed this time because this time I, uh, when I came out from prayer and looked into the sanctuary, I saw an old, old friend. Uh, somebody that when I started a church in Orlando, I, we met in our living room and then a seven-day Adventist church. And then we moved to uh, an office complex. And, uh, and I decided that I needed to find somebody close to my office that could cut my hair. And uh, yes, I did have hair at one time. <laughs> and I, I went to somebody right off Lee Road, which was, our church was right off Lee Road, and came to meet and know Jamie's mom, Ginger Hornsby. And uh, she was such a delight. And every time I went there, we, if you know Ginger, she can talk. And if you know Jim, Jim can talk. And and we were always competing. And I don't know how she got any... <clears throat> Obviously, she's not my hair cutter anymore. And uh, But and eventually, she started coming to our church. And she brought her husband, David. And within a couple of months, I met Jamie Johnson. And uh, so meeting that whole family just was such a blessing, and it was so good to see you, Ginger. It really was. And I pray that God will just continue to bless the whole Hornsby and Johnson clan, and uh, God bless you. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, and I want to read a verse that all of you are very familiar with. Can I have just a little bit more volume? Okay, thank you. No, that's good there. And, um, and I want to talk about it. It's uh, John 10 and verse 10. You probably don't even need to turn there. If you're a Christian like me, when I first got saved, I, I memorized all the bless me scriptures. Any scripture that had anything to do with blessing me, I memorized. Ask and you shall receive. My God shall supply all your needs. He will always lead you into triumph, you know. So, so that dynamic, I, and I'm sure, I, uh, you know, seeing your laughter, I realized that that's what you did too. And, uh, and one of those scriptures was this it, in uh, King James, which I first started reading. It says, I've, I've come to give you life, Jesus says. I'm not going to go to the first part where he talks about what the enemy did. We know what the enemy does, so we don't need to talk about that. But the second part of verse 10 says, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And I, I don't know if you took this approach, but when I read that, I, I literally thought it meant an abundance of blessings or abundance of possessions. I, I thought it meant God is going to give me stuff and lots of stuff, you know, that I'd get a Cadillac with steam-heated doorknobs and, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, and it really doesn't speak to that. So I'm going to talk a while about what, uh, first what the, abundant of life, what the abundant life isn't, and then I want to mainly talk about what the abundant life is. And it isn't stuff. Over in Luke in verse 12, I mean chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There is no life in stuff, none whatsoever. 
Uh, no matter how much you have or how little you have, there's no life in it. Now, you may get excited like I did when I got a new car in 2016, and I got one with all the bells and whistles and technology and everything, and for probably about a week, it seemed like it gave me a little life. But then after, it was irritation, because I didn't know how to do most of the stuff it was asked me to do. And so I felt made me feel stupid and, you know, all kinds of things. But there's no life in it. There's no life in positions. So Jesus isn't talking about blessings. Now, make no mistake, there are an abundance of blessings in God. Make no mistake. It says over in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that all the promises of God... Are, now, a lot of people say this, well, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And that's not what it says. What it says, all the promises of God are in him. The promises are in him, and in him they are yes and amen. So Jesus has all the promises of the Bible within the confines of who he is. And uh, when we get him, we get those promises. And uh, so they're in him. So make no mistake, there is an abundance of blessings. And, and I, just like everybody else, I like to be blessed. I'm very blessable. In fact, if some of you want to bless me when I leave here today, I'll go for it. And, uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> when Jesus says, he says, I've come to give you life. And life more abundantly, the Living Bible says it this way, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. The fullness of life. The Beck translation states, to give life and having it overflowing in them. So when he came to give us his life. When he says, I've come to give you life, it's his life. And he wants to give his life to us in abundance. Uh, the Greek word for abundance, and I won't try to pronounce it, but Thayer's Greek lexicon uses these words to affine, define it. Now, this is a conjunction with Jesus' life. He says, I want to give you life, and this is how I want to give it to you. Over and above. More than necessary. I love this one, expanding. It's always expanding overflowing, beyond measure, extraordinary. His life is an extraordinary life, and he gives us his extraordinary life to us. You know, the abundance of life has very little to do with what you have. It has everything to do with who you are and what you do. In fact, I found that who I am and what I do makes what I have either a little or a lot. When I was in Orlando and I was building this church, and I won't go into the whole story, but through a series of events, I started teaching a group of businessmen in downtown Orlando. And in this businessmen's group were 12 of the most influential and wealthiest men in the area. And they, over a period of time, asked me to be their Bible study leader. In fact, two of them in this Bible study paid $32 million to own the Orlando Magic franchise. 
All I got for that $32 million was the right to have the team. <laughs> Nothing else. They didn't have anything else. <clears throat> Two years later, they sold it to Rich DeVos of Amway for $84 million. I mean, no, they made a good deal. But they should have held on to it because today it's worth $1.5 billion. So, so these were the kind of men that were in there. And when we would go out to breakfast afterwards, and we would go to breakfast where all their friends ate breakfast. And so when they introduced me, and I, I, I thought at first they, they just did it to kind of mock me a little bit. They'd say, oh, this is Jim Newsom. He's the richest guy in our group. You know, and I didn't know, know what to, you know, so I just went along with it. Hey, how you doing? And, and I could tell they were looking at me, you know, hey, would you invest with me? And, you know... <laughs> And uh, finally, and I didn't know why they did that, and one time they did that, and as I'm walking away, I heard the other guy say to the guy who introduced me, well, how much money does he have? <laughs> and, and the person who introduced me says, oh, he don't have any money, but he's rich in ways where it counts. I, there, I, there was a richness that they observed that was better, and I was rich the only thing I can come up with, I was rich in the life of Christ. And so <clears throat> the abundance of life has very little to do with what you have. It has everything to do with who you are. You know, <clears throat> Jesus' whole purpose is to give his life away. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about two Adams. It says the first Adam was a living soul. He said, but the last Adam, Jesus, was a life-giving spirit. And when I read that, it started what going off in me. I said, Lord, that's what I want. I want to transition from somebody who lives for his soul to somebody who gives your life away to everyone I come to. I want to be a life-giving spirit. I have your life, but I want to give it away to everybody. It says about Jesus and that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, we know that in the context is that he died on the cross for us. But I want long before that he ransomed his physical life, he daily ran, he ransomed his daily life every day. At any given moment, he was willing to ransom something in his life in order to bring redemption in somebody else's life. He was willing to pay something. His time, you know, his gifting, or, or whatever it is that he had. He says, I'm going to pay the cost to redeem that situation. So it also says if we want to find our life, we got to lose it. So what it means as Christians is that I've got to be willing and you've got to be willing. And they didn't give a moment. I beg, I've got to be willing to lose something in order that someone might gain something. And here's what happens. And I was with the boy with the ball yesterday. And we were meeting before we went over to the apartment and... Uh, a young lady, I believe it was Jen, was giving some instructions. And one of the things that she said, and she says, I don't know how this works. But when you give what you have, somewhere in the process, you get more. And it's true. As you give away the life that you presently have of Jesus, 
He always, the best way to get full is to empty yourself. That's why the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. Because it doesn't make sense, Lord. I got a little, I know, empty it. But then I don't want to have anything, trust me. Because <laughs> as you give it away, you get more. And, uh, and you could tell Jem was speaking from experience. Well, I only had a little... She didn't say this, but I surmised I only had a little time and I only had a little energy, but I gave it away, and when I left, I had so much more. Because that's how it works. That's where the abundant life, the more you give of his life away, you begin to get it overflowing, expanding abundantly. And you just got to believe the Lord for that. So it's not primarily about a life with an abundance of blessings, but it's primarily about a a life that is full of opportunities to become a blessing. I believe everything that comes to us should go out from us. That we were never meant to be vessels in which God fills with blessings, but we're always meant to be uh, channels in which he dispenses blessings. It says over in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, and out of the NIV, it makes this statement. It says, uh, now he, he will make us rich in every way. How many of you like that? That's a promise. That's in him. He'll make us rich in every way. And we get excited about that. But then the very next word, so, our, so that, or some translations, in order that. So what he's now telling, this is why I'm going to make you rich. This is the purpose of it. Now, how many of you realize if you don't know the purpose of the why God made you rich, then you may squander the richness on something that he doesn't want you to. So he says, listen, I'll make you rich in every way so that you can become generous on every occasion. Now, you have to train yourself, and I have. And it's been one of the best blessings I've ever done. Anytime I get enriched in any way, instead of thinking about how can I spend all this riches on me, joy, money, whatever it is, I realize it was given to me so that I can give it away, primarily. I'll enjoy some of it, but my primary thing is that he's entrusted me with this riches. So I know that if I was uh, enriched in a way that I know on that somewhere within a day or a week or a month, there's going to become an occasion for me to be generous. So instead of as soon as I'm rich, I'm beginning looking for the occasion to be generous. And one of the reasons why God does this, and I don't have all the time to go into it, is because God's trying to teach us. Becoming like he is and doing what he does is better than getting what he has. Meaning that you think you got blessed when I enriched you? Watch what happens when you become generous. It says over in Acts 20, verse 35, when we know the Lord said it because it's in red. And Luke says, just as our Lord has said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Remove from your mind money. I'm sure money's on the list, but it's way down there. He's just saying it's more blessed the more 
happens when you give something than happens when you receive something. In the more, it's the emptying of yourself. You get abundant life. So God comes to give us life, and he said, within this life, there is abundance. There is overflowing. There is ever-expanding. And how you release that dynamic into your life is the life he's giving you, whatever it is, a revelation, a burden, whatever it is, you give it away, then all of a sudden, the expanding and the abundance and the overflowing, you empty yourself of what he's given you, and you get way more than what you gave away. Does that make sense? Amen. In fact, it says... Well, problem with me is I spend too much time on stuff I like and not enough on what God likes. Just teasing. I'm going to, uh, I don't want, it's funny you talked about uh, beating a dead horse. So I think this horse I've been beating is dead now. It's not dead, it's bad. I, I think you get the point. I want to. Uh, go to something else that, uh, before I do that, I, I do really, really want you to understand. The Bible says freely receive, freely give. And that's just the way it is. You don't put conditions on your giving. God didn't put any on yours. He says, given it shall be given unto you, pressed on, shaken together, running over. And then it says these words. It says it in two other places on different topics in the New Testament. It says, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it's key. The Lord says, all right, I'm going to give you my measure. So my measure is the standard. And I'm going to give it to you freely. That's my measure. So if you're, and I want you to use my measure I gave it to you freely, fully, with no judgment, because I love you. It doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. I'm giving it to you unconditionally. So that's his measure. And he's wanting us to use his measure on how we give it out to other people. But if we don't, if somehow I can't, I can't really give to you the way the Lord gave to me because you hurt me. Or you disappointed me last time. Or the last time I I gave something in, within the month when I had a need, you didn't reciprocate. So I'm still going to give it to you, but I'm going to adjust. I'm going to make some modification in this standard and how I give it out to you. Now, the Lord doesn't want you to do that. But if you do that, then what he says, okay. I'd like to have used my standard, but you've made some modifications. Okay, so now that's the standard with all its modifications that I'm now going to give to you from now on. So if you don't, can't live with the modifications, get rid of them. Freely receive, freely give. And as long as you freely give, you will constantly freely receive. So make sure you don't mess with the measure. In fact, he says over in Proverbs 20, he says, differing weight and differing measures are an abomination to the Lord. Meaning, if the measure that you're wanting from God 
differs at all from the measure that you give out to others, he says, that's an abomination in my eyes. I want you to use the standard that I've used on your life. That's the one I want you to use on everybody else's life. Now, in closing, (laughs) and as I said last night, that means nothing. It's just something I like to say for those of you that are think, just about thinking about leaving. Oh, maybe in 10 minutes, you know. And, but I, I want to uh, share something that recently happened to me. During COVID, I, because I didn't have a lot of public ministry, uh, I decided to do a lot of personal ministry. So I've just been meeting with anybody that'll meet with me and investing, giving my life away to them. Uh, Something that I hadn't done in years only because I was too busy ministering to people publicly that I didn't have the time to minister to them personally. So during COVID, I just, and it's, it has been so rich and so full. So I've been meeting with this young pastor. He's 34 years old. He's been the pastor of this church. It's a growing church. It's an innovative church. It's, it's a wonderful church. And he's been pastoring it since he was 22. And he's, as we're sitting there, he's telling me about all the things that they're doing, the new campuses. You know, I mean, he's just, I got tired just listening. You know, uh, wow, where did... So on the way home, after meeting with him, I was praising the Lord, because uh, he and I meet together once a month, just praising. This is the first time we met. And I just praised him. I said, oh, wow, Lord, this, that, that was a rich time. And uh, I said, but Lord, and I was thinking to myself, oh, to be young again, it is what I said. Anybody else ever think that, oh, to be young again? And then uh, as I'm driving and listening to some worship music, I heard the Lord speak to my heart. He says, son, I need for you to quit thinking like an old man. He said, and you know, this is how me and I, the Lord dialogue together. So I'm thinking, Lord, I, I know you know this. I just turned 70. I said, some people would consider that old. And I sense the Lord say, no, you're not. And then didn't say anymore, just like the Lord. He says something, and he doesn't feel any need to expand on it, you know, to explain it to you. He, he wants you to then start seeking him for the understanding of it. So the Lord said I wasn't old. And uh, I looked in the mirror, and the mirror didn't tell me that I wasn't old. So I start going through the scripture. Surely, if the Lord said I'm not old, there's some scriptural evidence that will prove that. It'll make it, make it prove that I am not old. If he doesn't want me to think like an old man, and if he says I'm not an old man, then I need to see in scripture that I'm a young man. So the first place that I looked was over in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. And it makes this statement out of the New Century Version. It says, so we do not give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit inside us is made new every day. When we receive Christ, we receive the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God. And how many know God is known as the ageless one? 
he doesn't get old. He is forever young. Now, because of our body, it has an effect on our spirit. And, and so the Lord says, I'll renew it every day, though. And the uh, <clears throat> Greek word, I won't try to pronounce it, it's defined this way, to reinvigorate, to refresh, to revive, to make young again. So my outer man is getting older and weaker. But my inner man is becoming, it's being uh, revived and refreshed and renewed and reinvigorated. It's being made a young again. So I can decide to live from my inner man or I can decide to live from my outer man. And if I live from my inner man, this reviving, and I have found the reviving and the refreshing that is happening in my life that if I live from my spirit, that's where you start the life-giving spirit. When people, when you're with people, when they leave, they should say, man, I feel revived and refreshed just because you were in their presence. And then you know you lived from your inward man. So I was looking for another place. I'm one of these guys, if God said at one place, I need to find a witness by two, that, I can, that I'm not an old man. So, so before I do that, the Bible says over in Luke that uh, if, if we're workmen of God, we are worthy of our wage. And uh, meaning I work for him. In the 33 years of my ministry, I have never charged for anything I've ever done. And people, when they call me, are always asking, well, how much you charge to come? I say, Nothing. Now, some people don't call me back because they don't think I have any value because I say that. You know, they just won't call. Oh, well, he doesn't, you know. But I, it's, it's a mandate from the Lord for me because I work for him, and he says I'm worthy of my hire, and he's made sure that I have been over the years. So I'm his workman. But do you, not, do you know as a workman for the Lord, you not only, <clears throat> you not only get a uh, good wage, you get a generous benefit package. Very generous benefit package, working for the Lord. And where you find this benefit package is Psalm uh, 103, starting with verse 2 and 5. And it says this, my whole being, praise the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits. And in this benefit packages, package, there are three insurances and there are three bonuses. So there's six benefits being a workman of the Lord. The very first one, it says, and I will forgive you of all your sins. That's my liability insurance. <laughs> when the enemy comes and tries to attack me with something that I did in the past or just something stupid I said, I said, not liable. I got this insurance. He, he already paid for that. Not liable. So he forgives me of all my sins. And then it says he heals us of all our diseases. It's my health insurance. And do you know you don't even have to pay a deductible. <laughs> Zero deductible. It's the best health insurance ever. I, f I will heal you of all your diseases. And then he says, <clears throat> I will save your life from the grave. That's our life insurance. 
And for someone whose life has been saved from the grave, I had hepatitis C, and the doctor told me I had two years to live, and that was 16 years ago. So in your face, doctor. And, <laughs> but he saved my life from the, from the grave. It says over in Psalm 6, 68, verse 20, he says, Our God is to us a God of deliverances, and in him are all the escapes from death. And when I was told that I was going to die in two years, I said, Lord, I, I only need one of those escapes. You got all of them? I just need one. And he granted it to me because it's part of my benefit package. He saves my life from the grave. And then the fourth one is our first bonus. He says he fills us with his loving kindness and mercy. Man, what a bonus to walk through life with his loving kindness and his mercy. We're just full of it. And then the second bonus, it says this, and he will fill your years with good stuff. I, my pastor back in Louisville, we get together every two weeks, and we've been talking about this concept. And so now what we do, one of the first things we do when we meet together, we meet for about two hours, is we said, all right, what kind of good stuff did God do this, this past week? Because it's a bonus. He's going to fill our lives with good stuff. I said, man, this was good stuff, and this was good stuff. But the sixth one is where I got my second witness. And this is out of the New Century Version. It's our third bonus, and he says, and he will make us young again, like an eagle. Young again. So I'm not an old man. I decided to quit thinking like an old man. I'm a young man. And I want you to know, I'm going to share one last scripture, and we're going to close. Because old men think in the terms of how many years they have left. Young men think in terms of all the unlimited years that are before them. They don't even think about 70 or 80. They're 30 and thinking about, I'm going to live forever. I mean, they have unlimited in their mind. And so can we. Whether you're 70, whether you're 75, it doesn't matter. And I'm going to show you why. Because of another scripture, and this is the best definition of the abundant life I have ever found anywhere. And it's in scripture. <clears throat> it's Psalm 61 and verse 6. Like all of David's psalms, they were either songs he were writing, poems he wrote, or prayers that he journaled. And I'm always appreciative that when he journaled his prayers, he not only prayed, wrote down his supplications or requests, he wrote down how God responded to him. So he writes down what God is saying to him after he talked to God about this. So after he gave his request, in verse 6, God responds to him. And I want to quote this to you out of the Living Bible because it says it best. It says this. He says, and so David says, you will give me added years of life. And then he says this. And this is where the overflowing, abundance, ever-expanding happened. He says, as rich and as full as many generations all packed into one. Not only will he tack years, give you added years, but those years that he's given you 
will be as rich and as full as many generations. Now, I broke this down because I'm a guy that likes, you know, to get this. So I went online to see what a generation was. I thought it was 30 years, but it's now 40 because people are waiting longer to have children. So 40 years is a generation. And that the minimum of many is three. So what the Lord is saying with his life, he can teach us how to live 120 years worth of living all in one year and then give us a bunch of years just like that. So if you break that 10 years, easy for me, another 10 years, he says, Jim, I can teach you at the very least, the minimum. In these next 10 years, I can teach you how to live 1,200 years worth of living. What it would take everybody else 1,200 years to accomplish or to experience, you can do it all in one year, and then I'll give you a bunch of years just like that. I mean, re- un- with this understanding, someone recently asked me, they said, Jim, you think, because they heard I was 70, he says, you think you're about, thinking about retiring? I said, no, I'm just getting started. Man, I got 1,200 years worth of living in front of me, man, and uh, I'm going for it. And so, and so when I read all that, I, I, again, because I love the Bible, I'm looking for somebody who, who exemplified that. And so the one who exemplified it is the one who says, I'm the one that's going to give you a life like that and a life to the full is Jesus. Now, we only have the highlights. I love watching ESPN, the highlights you get the some of the best plays and the thing in a matter of seconds. And, and the Gospels for us are just the highlights. Because John says over in John 21 verse 25, he said, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not be able to contain the books that were written. Now, do you think he's lying? I mean, in those three and a half years, Jesus lived thousands of years worth of living to the point It says over in the Living Bible, and I suppose that if all the other events in Jesus' life were written, the whole world wouldn't be able to contain the books. Just think about how big the world is. So he definitely, and he's the one that says, that life, I'm now going to give to you. And when I give it to you, it's going to expand It's going to overflow. It's going to become abundant. So all of us, I I can't wait to see, and Chris and I were talking about this while our time, I just can't wait to see what God is going to do. I really do believe that this year, at the very minimum, and I've already seen a lot of things that have happened that I'm going to experience 120 years worth of living. Because I'm not old. Some of you 20-year-old, you don't have anything on me. (laughs) I'm as young as you are, if not younger. 
And if you think that's untrue, just listen to some of the stupid stuff I say. <laughs> I say it's just as, you know, like you, the stupid stuff you say. I mean, <laughs> and, <clears throat> but let's stand together. And I want to close by us having a prayer. <clears throat> just stand together. We're just going to close here in a moment. But I want to I want to pray. I want us to pray about everything that I just preached. So I'm going to capsulize it for you. And I don't want anybody closing their eyes. How many of you know God can listen to your prayers if your eyes are open? I mean, he, he listens to them whether you believe it or not. And you can look around. But here's what I want you to say. And we're going to take it so slow. I say, Lord, I want you to give me, I want, I want you, say that. To tack years on the end of my life. But more than that, I want you to expand the years in the midst of my life. Lord, I not only want to live longer, but more than that, I want to live better. Lord, I not only want more years in my life, but more than that, I want more life in my years. Amen. Do you understand what the abundant life is? Now remember how you get that. It's whatever life you have right now, this week, empty yourself on behalf of someone else. Use his measure, not yours. Don't make any modifications on how you give it because you'll regret it. I'd say fine. Well, you, you can live with that. Amen. Father, I do thank you for this group of people. I feel like we're family. I pray, Lord, that this week, as they give the life right now that they experienced in worship and in this prayer and in this message and when the service is over in fellowship, Lord, the richness that they have, I pray that you would help them to keep a sharp eye, eye for the opportunity, the occasion, Lord, to be generous, to begin to empty themselves of this life on behalf of someone else, that they would be at any moment this week be willing to ransom something in their life in order to bring redemption in someone else's life. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name.